My name is Nate, and I'm part of the team at C-SPAN that brings you live coverage of Congress and the day's top political events unfiltered. As a nonprofit organization that receives no government funding, we're asking for your help to support C-SPAN's daily operations. Please visit cspan.org slash donate to learn more and consider making a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation. That's cspan.org slash donate. This week, C-SPAN was on the road following candidates as they pressed into the final month before Iowa's first-in-the-nation caucus, slated for January 15th. We'll watch Nikki Haley pick up a key endorsement from New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu. See Chris Christie at a town hall, also in the Granite State. Hear the message surrogates for former President Donald Trump are sending to Iowa caucus-goers. Also, a day on the trail with Democratic presidential hopeful Dean Phillips as he met with voters in New Hampshire. But first, a conversation with Darlene Superville, a White House correspondent for the Associated Press. She talked to us about President Biden's recent fundraising push, which included visits to Philadelphia, Boston, and Los Angeles. We won't know for sure exactly what the numbers look like until the end of the fundraising quarter and the Biden campaign actually releases their figures sometime in January. It's usually the middle of the, the following month. So mid-January, we should have a better snapshot of what the Biden campaign's fundraising looks like. But in the past couple of weeks, he's done a quite a few fundraisers. He just recently hit up Los Angeles, uh, his first fundraisers there after the actors and the writers strike essentially shut down uh, Democratic fundraising in that part of the country. Uh, California, liberal California, is known as sort of an ATM for Democrats. And so he wasn't able to fundraise there for, for the four or so months that the strikes were going on. And he has more fundraising on his schedule. Tell us, is this is this usual for a, a, a incumbent president to be fundraising at this level? And is he on schedule to meet his goals? Yeah, it's it's definitely usual. Um, part of the burst of fundraising that you're seeing right now from President Biden is due to the fact that we're entering the holiday season. And so candidates, we're entering the holiday season and we're also coming up to the end of the fundraising quarter. And so candidates want to make uh, a final push and squeeze in as many fundraising events and fundraisers as they can, uh, knowing that the last week or so of December is pretty much off limits in terms of any kind of campaign fundraising activity. So that's why we are seeing a burst of fundraising activity from the president. I mentioned the events in California. He had an event earlier this week in Philadelphia. There are more fundraisers this week, and I would expect to see him uh, also doing a little bit of fundraising next week as well before we get into that crunch holiday, that crunch holiday week before around Christmas Eve time through the end of the year. Um, and as far as what the numbers will look like, of course, the Biden campaign, um, all presidential campaigns, all campaigns in general, they will want you to think that their numbers are the best. Um, but we won't really know until the fundraising reports are made public in the middle of January. How is he doing compared to other presidential candidates? Just overall numbers, maybe not this quarter, but how is it looking? 
The last uh, numbers that I saw, he is about on pace with former President Donald Trump and his level of fundraising. And uh, the Biden campaign is basically banking on a rematch with former President Trump. And so what the Biden campaign will want in terms of dollars is to basically have as much money as the Republican presidential candidate or the person we expect to be the Republican presidential nominee so that they're able to essentially go toe to toe to them toe-to-toe with them, excuse me, next year once campaigning starts in earnest. What are these donor receptions like? Give us an idea. Yeah, I went to a couple of them uh, recently. I was traveling with him uh, when he went to Boston last week. He had three fundraisers in that one trip. So most people will have to uh, be wanded with a hand wand by Secret Service agents who are always around the president. Um, They are in the room when he's speaking keeping an eye on the exits into and out of the room and also watching the donors as they would uh, watch any person who was at any kind of public event the president is at. They're always scanning the room in case of something or or, or just being on guard. Um, Unfortunately, the press doesn't get to see the whole thing, but the ones that I went into, uh, you the, the donors are in a room. So in this case, they were seated in just your usual sort of, it was in a hotel, um, ho- usual hotel seating. There were some round tables. They were clustered around some round tables, had bottles of water or San Pellegrino. They seemed to be nursing and sipping that. There were some other high like cocktail style tables where some other donors were uh mingling around. Uh, At this particular fundraiser, I think I counted approximately 60 or so people. So it was very small on the more intimate side. And then someone will come in uh, and introduce the president. And then President Biden will enter to applause and he'll speak for about 15 or 20 minutes. And then the press is let out of the room and there is more conversation. Sometimes there's Q&A with the donors that we are not allowed to hear. Um, Often before the fundraiser, the president will pose for photographs for those who have contributed a certain amount of money. He came out and gave some remarks. And surprisingly enough, he did not stay to hear James Taylor play his guitar. He left and the concert was allowed to proceed. Who are these donors? They are people who have given to the Biden campaign or gave to the Biden campaign in 2020. One thing the president does at these fundraisers, as soon as he opens his remarks and give some thank yous, he often says that one of the reasons that he's there is to say thank you to them because they helped him in 2020 and he's looking again for them to help him in 2024. So for the most part, there are people who have contributed in the past. There are people who continue to contribute and they might even be people who um, who may not have yet contributed, but want maybe want to see the president in the flesh and, and size him up a little bit before they commit some big money to his campaign. One of the uh, fundraisers that he went to last week, the the top uh, amount was somewhere in the $900,000 range. And I'm not all that certain whether it was just for one individual or maybe a group of individuals, but there are tiers. Um, and the tickets can go from, I think, anywhere from a few hundred dollars to a few thousand dollars to 10,000 to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And what do they get in in exchange? They get to be able to say, of course, that they were at a reception with the president, that they might have had their picture taken with him. Maybe they got to ask him a question or had some one-on-one FaceTime with him. Uh, They got to hear him speak, uh, that sort of thing. So it's, um, 
it's it's kind of like the price of admission and they get to be able to talk about being at an exclusive event with the most powerful man on the face of the earth. Will the president, his campaign, go back to these donors over and over again leading up to the general election? Yeah, there are some donors who can be uh, tapped again and again. It all depends on how much they've given and there are limits on how much an individual can give to a political campaign. And so if they haven't maxed out yet, the president can go back and ask for more money. And that's why one of the reasons a lot of campaigns are very interested in what are known as small dollar donors, because you can go back to those people again and again and get $50, $100 until they hit their maximum limit. What is the president saying to these donors at these receptions? He says lots of things. Um, He will, as I just mentioned, open by thanking them uh, for supporting him in the past. He will talk about his what he sees as the things that he has accomplished since taking office. He'll run through the economic stats, low unemployment, inflation coming down. Uh, At a recent fundraiser, he spoke about uh, the investments that he was able to get in infrastructure. He will talk about what's going on sometimes in Israel and in the war between Israel and Hamas. He'll talk about the situation in Ukraine. Um, And he'll also talk a little bit about some of the things that he wants to do if he is reelected and given a second term. Uh, The student loan debt issue is one that he's a bit stymied on right now because of the Supreme Court. I think he'd like to try to work on that a little bit more. Uh, He talks about wanting to bring down prices for consumers. Uh, Junk fees is another issue that's very uh, important to him in terms of eliminating those. And lately, he's been taking to talking a lot about former President Donald Trump, who it's looking very likely that the former president will again be President Biden's opponent in 2024. And he's trying to draw contrasts between himself and former President Donald Trump. He talks about uh, President Trump being a risk, a threat to democracy. He'll talk about uh, some of the things that former President Trump has said recently, the use of the word vermin to describe his political opponents, um, the fact that former President Trump recently said that he would be a dictator, but only on day one. And he tries to draw that contrast between himself and his approach to government and governing versus what he says President Trump would uh, offer the country if he is reelected. Any well-known names that have been at these receptions of late that you can think of or who are known to give to the Biden-Harris re-election bid? Yeah, so in uh, at one of the California fundraisers this past weekend, uh, Barbara Streisand was there. I mentioned James Taylor at the event in Boston. Robert De Niro has showed up at fundraisers in New York City. I don't want to say the usual suspects, but it's some of the the names that you would expect. Uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, of course, is part of the campaign apparatus, the re-election campaign apparatus for the president. So he was also on hand in California this past weekend. The Messenger reported that in addition to fundraising around the country, President Biden's re-election campaign also released this new ad in English and Spanish, targeting Latino voters, and comparing Republican frontrunner Donald Trump to dictators Hugo Chavez and Nicolas Maduro. Let's watch. We start before the sun. We stop after it's gone down. We build the country. But to some, we are invisible. 
but not to Joe Biden. He sees us, invests in us, in our community, our businesses. But Republicans, they don't. And like dictators, want to take things away. Our health insurance, our rights and freedoms, and even our safety. The difference is clear. Build with Biden or lose with Republicans. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. Republican Congressman Randy Feenstra also hosted presidential candidates in his western Iowa district last weekend. The Iowa Capitol Dispatch reported that GOP presidential hopefuls Nikki Haley, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Pastor Ryan Binkley, and Vivek Ramaswamy all brought their families on stage at the event, which was billed as a discussion on family values and politics. Before the big event, Mr. Ramaswamy met up with local college students for an athletic preparation session. minutes from the event itself with Casey DeSantis talking about what she wants to tell every Iowa voter about her husband, GOP presidential hopeful governor, Ron DeSantis. I mean, you know, obviously he's a dad of a seven, five and a three year old. I mean, you know, I would talk about his military experience when he went through two very liberal universities, Harvard and Yale, but came out more conservative on the other uh, other side. And, you know, he saw 9-11. He decided to commission as an officer in the United States Navy and serve and actually go over to Iraq because he wanted to give back and fight for our first principles. I mean, you know, I can talk about the fights and he's talked a lot about beating Disney, beating the teachers union, standing up for what's right, delivering on 100 percent of his principles and every Everything that he said he would do for the people of the state of Florida. But if there is one thing that I really want you to know about Ron DeSantis is that, and this is particularly highlighted during COVID, because the world descended upon Florida. I mean, the left was coming after him. The media was coming after him. Uh, Republicans in Washington were coming after him. The CDC, the NIH, and it was relentless. Day after day after day. It wasn't just coming after him in one news cycle and then they were on to the next thing. I mean, they never let up with some of the worst things you could possibly imagine about somebody. But he helped true to what he knew in his heart was right. He stood up for the children to be able to be in school. He made sure that people were able to work to put food on the table for their families. He made sure that families could be with their loved ones in the final moments of their life. I mean, on and on it goes. Businesses, I mean, you know, these big businesses were able to stay open, but these little guys, they were getting pummeled across the country, but not in Florida. He held the line. And so I say this, what you want in a leader in Washington is someone who's going to stand up and fight for you no matter how hard they're getting attacked. You want somebody, as Rush Limbaugh said on his final radio show before he passed away, he said, Ron DeSantis has an ironclad spine of steel, and that is the God's honest truth. This guy will never waver. He will never back down. He will never give up, and he will stand for the values and the principles that made this country great. And that is why I am out here every day of the week and twice on Sunday fighting for him. It's not because I'm married to him. That has nothing to do with it, because I feel like I have an obligation from what I have seen of him in front of the cameras 
and behind the cameras when it's tough. And I mean, I'm turning on the TV and it's not nice, but he never wavered and he was a rock. And that is exactly who you want fighting for you at this moment in our nation's history. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's passion. That, that is passion. One of the candidates making a big push in Iowa this week was former President Donald Trump. In addition to his own appearances, he has surrogates fanning out to educate supporters on how to caucus and get them to commit to doing so. Among them was Brenna Byrd, the Hawkeye State's Republican Attorney General. Here she is speaking to Trump supporters in Coralville, Iowa. Yeah. You are fired up, aren't you? Yeah, just like I am. You're ready to fire Joe Biden and get President Trump back in the White House. Yes. Well, you know, Matt Whitaker, what a great U.S. Attorney General. And I just realized something when he was given his speech. We went to our first caucus the same year, 1988. I was 12. So I'm going to tell you a few things about how to caucus and why it's important. But first of all, let me just say this, a great big thank you deep from within my heart. Because as I look out here, I can tell President Trump has all the best supporters. And I see people who helped us defeat the longest serving attorney general in Iowa in U.S. history. Thank you. I'm here in a room full of hardworking freedom fighters, real patriots, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate your dedication. You know, we're just a month out. Is now the time to let off the gas and go on easy street? No way. No way. We are going to work hard all the way, and we know that the radical left will stop at absolutely nothing to target President Trump. They've been after him since day one, haven't they? But we see right through it, and we are fighting back. It's never been more important for us to go out and caucus. Now, you just heard about a big poll that was great news, a historic caucus lead for President Trump. You remember that one? We've never seen a lead that big in Iowa Republican caucus history. Never. Unprecedented. Historic. But are we just going to sit back and realize that we're headed to to victory, we're headed to President Trump back in the White House and just take it easy? No way. We know that it takes work. We know that we're going to do what it takes. We're going to win Iowa big for President Trump, aren't we? You know, they say Iowa is where it starts. Maybe this year, Iowa is where it all ends, if you know what I mean. The end of the Biden administration. I'll tell you what, as Attorney General, it's my job to enforce your laws and constitution. I sure have been having to sue the Biden administration an awful lot. You know, uh, whether it comes to an ATF that's out of control and going after law-abiding firearms owners, uh, or, you know, what they're trying to do to pork producers. Uh, fighting crime, fighting everything that is wrong with the Biden administration, like the student debt cancellation. We took that one all the way to the Supreme Court and won, didn't we? Yeah. 
We're fighting back against waters of the U.S. where the EPA wants to tell farmers how to farm. Tell you what, as somebody who was born and raised on a farm, not on my watch, not on my watch. You know, the truth is, though, the number of times that I should have to sue a presidential administration, that should be zero, right? Yeah, they should just follow the laws and constitution like the rest of us do. Well, help is on the way, isn't it? Things are going to change. They're going to change. And we all remember how much better we were when President Trump was in office. The border was secure. We were safe in the world. I don't think what happened on October 7th, that horrific terrorist attack by Hamas, it wouldn't have happened if President Trump was in office. We know farmers were better off. Law enforcement was respected. We were safe. And we can make it happen again. We can make America great again by electing President Trump in the Iowa caucuses January 15th. Now, I told you I went to my first caucus when I was 12, so I know how to do this, all right? But I want you to know something else. I am a Trump caucus captain for my precinct in Guthrie County. Now, who else here is a caucus captain like me? Thank you. Thank you. You are the ones who will make it happen. You still have a chance. We have the Commit to Caucus cards. Fill one out. There are people here who have not filled out one of these cards. We need all of you. America needs you. Your country needs you. Because the polls don't matter. The one that really matters is caucus night, isn't it? Yeah. And that will be determined by you showing up on caucus night, ready to vote with your friends and family, at least 10, okay? And I've got a hat here for somebody who's going to tell me they're going to get 100 people to a caucus. I mean it, too. I you know what? I mean it. I want to know who you are, and I'm going to find out, all right? Who's going to do it? 100 people. Who's going to do it? All right. Right there. Stand up, sir. What's your name? Chase? All right, 100 people at caucus. I'm counting on you. All right, this is for him. Oh. We'll get it for him. We'll get it for him. Tell you, Whitaker, he is good at throwing the ball, though, right? Isn't he as a football player? Not me so much, but we'll make sure you have it. Fill out your commitment card. Make sure you go to caucus. If you've never been to a caucus before, now's the time to start. Get trained. This campaign has the best organization I've ever seen. Get involved, bring your friends, make sure they vote, bring your ID, and you can also go online to ia.donaldjtrump.com and sign up. Because with your help on January 15th, we are going to make America great again, aren't we? And why is, why is President Trump going to win big? Well, we could say he's going to win big because we know he's going to do the right job on day one, that he knows how to do it. We know he's going to run on his record. We know he'll secure the border. We know he has the absolute best supporters helping him out here in this state, dedicated. People who, on a cold, dark night in January, because I'll tell you what, if you think it's cold now, stay tuned for about a month, right? You have the fire of patriotism burning in your heart. And you are going to show up. You're going to work hard. You're going to make sure 
that you have your caucus won for President Donald Trump. Am I right? Are you going to do it? Are you going to make America great again? Are you going to fire Joe Biden and send President Trump back to the White House? All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you know, I've got something special for a caucus captain here tonight, too. When you fill out your card, you get entered into a lottery to get a very, very special hat. So I'm going to be announcing the winner of this very special hat signed by President Trump. Right. Fill out your card so you can get one next time, okay? Make sure you do it. Do we have Beth McBride here? Beth McBride. Right there, there she is. Do you want to come up? Are we good? All right, thank you. Don't forget, caucus, bring your friends, bring your relatives. Commit to 10. We have at least 10 cousins if you're like me, right? Get them to the caucus. We'll see you soon. Thank you. With just a month to go until Iowa's first-in-the-nation presidential caucuses, the state's Republican Party was also out this week recruiting and training volunteers to run the January events. Next, coverage from KCCI in Des Moines of caucus preparations in Dallas County. And efforts are already underway to make sure Iowans who plan to caucus know exactly what they're doing. KCCI's Kayla James takes us to West Des Moines, where the Dallas County GOP held its mock caucus in training this evening. Dozens of people filling the room here behind us Tuesday night at the West Des Moines Marriott. Now, this meeting wasn't just a training for caucus captains and volunteers. It was also for Republicans, both in and outside of Dallas County, who want to make sure there are no problems come January 15th. We need to be on guard to make sure that things get done right. Which is why Lamar Cothy came to the Dallas County GOP's caucus training Tuesday night, joining many others who plan to caucus. Iowa caucuses is really we the people. And it's the people Dallas County GOP Chair Kelly Koch says she and her team are helping prepare for January 15th. Volunteers spending time packing materials needed for the big night. Putting together the box and then all the different forms, the signs, the instructions. We have 18 caucus site locations. Those locations are a cause of concern, Koch says. She wants to address now rather than the day of the caucus. One of the biggest disconnect is that people still think their polling place or their voting location is actually their caucus location. Which Koch says is not the case. So while she fielded questions, All right. do you know your precinct? The Dallas County GOP team made sure people knew where they had to go come January 15th or directed them to the Iowa Secretary of State website. I always tell people, know before you go. Go to the elementary school or wherever you're gonna caucus the week before. Look at the parking, look at the front doors, and plan before you go. I just want to put you in our system. More than training, Koch says, Tuesday night's event was to help Republicans who may not have caucus since 2016 back into the game. We're at a time in our life when things are very serious and we got to get things done for this country. In Dallas County, Kayla James, KCCI 8 News, Iowa's news leader. Next, we're at the McIntyre Ski Area Lodge in Manchester, New Hampshire. That's where Chris Sununu, the Granite State's four-term Republican governor, officially endorsed GOP presidential hopeful Nikki Haley. Here's Governor Sununu telling voters why he's supporting Miss Haley's run 
and the two of them talking to reporters shortly after. You guys excited? Yeah. You, you should be. This is New Hampshire. This is the first in the nation primary. This is pretty awesome. This is the live home of live free or die. Right? This is where we are granite strong. We are 603 proud. Look, I've had an awesome time uh, during this uh, entire process, right? I've been able to travel the state with a lot of different candidates, uh, kind of be able to talk to folks, and that opportunity has been just absolutely amazing. Really, over the last year, I've been doing it. And uh, there's this, I don't know where she is. She's here somewhere. There's a sweet, sweet older, oh, hey, how are you? Well, well it wasn't you, but I'll get to you in a minute. There was a sweet older woman who has come to a lot of events. And I saw her coming in here, and she said, so are you going to finally endorse Nikki Haley for president? You bet your ass I am. Let's get this thing done. We are all in on Nikki Haley, undoubtedly. And you can feel the energy. You can feel it. Look, you can feel the energy around the state. You can feel it across the country. People are getting engaged. I always told the national media, don't worry, everything picks up after Thanksgiving. That's when the action happens. It isn't just because I'm endorsing her. It's because people are getting involved. People are coming out of the woodwork to come to the town halls, to fill the rooms, to see what's really happening out there. And when you look at her poll numbers, when you look at the ground game that Nikki has laid, it's been absolutely unbelievable. Now, it doesn't just happen because you spend money. It doesn't just happen because you run ads. This is New Hampshire. We have a bit of a higher threshold than that, don't we? Right? We do. We have a higher standard. So we want our candidates to travel the state, right? To look us in the eye, to talk about the issues and listen to, to what, we're, what we're discussing. And live for your diet. I say this a lot. A lot of people have heard it, but it means so much. It's what Nikki gets. It's not four cool words on a license plate. It is the heart of what we are here. It is about low taxes and limited government, local control, individual responsibility, all those things that we cherish as Republicans in this country. And when I've seen her interact with folks, that's what it is. It's that intangible. She gets it. I mean, to finally have a Republican in Washington, to have anybody in Washington that is not some big government, with some big government mentality, Someone that can actually sit in the White House and say, how do I put individuals first? This isn't about a big government. This isn't about control. This is about working with Congress to get them to understand it's the states and the localities, and most important, that individual family that has to, be, that has to come first, whether it's a policy decision, an executive action, driving forward on the things that matter the most, mental health, the drug crisis, securing the border. Securing the border, do we remember that promise? Right? Let's get it done, not because the party says so, because it's the best thing for the United States of America. It's really, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So to see her out there, to see her connecting with folks, to feel that momentum, it is real and it is tangible. Now, there's a lot of work to do, right? So I say this to folks all the time. Who are you gonna talk to when you go home tonight? Your friends, your family, your weird uncles. I don't care. We're gonna get them all out to vote. This isn't just a, a section of the party. This isn't just an aberration. This is an opportunity for New Hampshire to lead this country, for New Hampshire to say we're not looking in the rearview rear view mirror anymore. And as we go, as we've been campaigning, and I do this a lot as governor, obviously, but as we've been campaigning, we talk to a lot of folks on the manufacturing lines. Uh, folks in small farms, 
military families, veterans. These are the individuals, these are the families that built this country. And they're sick and tired of the elitists in Washington, D.C. telling them how to live their lives. They're frustrated. And that isn't just, that, again, that crosses a political spectrum, which is unbelievable. And the rest of the country is looking to New Hampshire. We always take pride. We never choose yesterday's news, right? And that's what these people say to me. They say, look, Governor, we're like you. We were with Trump in 16. We were with Trump in 20. But things are too critical. So we're just going to say a polite, thank you for your service, Mr. President. We're moving on because this is New Hampshire and we go forward. We go forward. So let's not miss this opportunity. The entire country is watching. With all due respect to Iowa, it's a caucus, please. Right? This is where the voters come out in droves. We are going to have a record number of voters in this election. What amazing opportunity. While the rest of the country is going, oh boy, are we just going to settle for the same old thing? Let's talk about settling. Does America ever settle for yesterday's news? No. We are built on innovation. We are built on the next big idea. We are built on the next version, the, the next generation of leadership. That's in our DNA as Americans. So to think for a second that we're going to say, well, let's just go back to the way it was because that was kind of sort of okay, not really, but better than we have now. No way. No way. And let's face it, there's a lot of frustration out there in the country. People are frustrated over the last eight years. We've had a, we have a president that's more concerned about nap time. We have a president that's worried about his jail time. We gotta be able to move forward. That's drama, that is chaos. Do you think we're gonna have a president that can tackle inflation, secure the border, fiscal responsibility, draining of the swamp, all these things we, we heard about but weren't done? That's gonna take 120% of any president's time. So we're not gonna elect in, as a party, bring somebody forward that is constantly distracted with whatever nonsense and drama that the former president brings to the table. That would be irresponsible on our part. And New Hampshire's where it all starts. This is where it happens. So again, who are you gonna talk to? Your coworkers, your neighbors, whoever it is. Get them out, right? We have independents that are gonna vote here. We have the undeclared. We have the Republican base. Everybody is gonna come out in record numbers. So take it on yourself to say, how do I be part, not of a campaign, this is not a campaign, everybody. This is a movement. This is a movement across this country to get things moving. So let me bring out my friend, someone who I could not be more, be more proud of, someone who looks the people in the eye, answers their questions, and most importantly, has taken the time to earn the trust of the citizens and voters of this state. The next president of the United States, Nikki Haley! excited because the governor connects. Ambassador, governor, where are we it's going? Nikki. We're going with Nikki. She connects with folks at a very, very real level, and I, I mean that very sincerely. And I've gone with all the other candidates, they all do fine. But there's something very different about that connection, and that's the most important aspect about getting people excited and understand it's a movement, not just a campaign and a candidate, but a real movement to galvanize the Republican Party and unify this country. And you see people coming out that haven't voted before or aren't your typical vote because they really do care, one, about where the country's going, but they want to see a new generational leader. They want to see us kind of get back to 
what's going to make government work for the people again and not the people work for government? Governor, can you do No. I mean, look, no. I think he's fantastic. No. But he has told me he doesn't Hard want pass. anything to do Hard with pass. DC. I just want to tell us how this endorsement fits into the importance of New Hampshire in your campaign. I mean, it's huge for us. It really is. I mean, I and everybody else has been courting Chris for months. I mean, it's no secret. Y'all saw it. But there were a couple of reasons that I wanted his endorsement. Not just because he was the governor, but he was the live free or die governor. He was the governor that like cut taxes and lowered unemployment and fought for the northern border and protected Second Amendment rights and all those things that really are where we want to take the country back. That's why I wanted his endorsement. And he is one of the most beloved governors in the country. And the people in his state love him. And so, you know, we've got the momentum on our side, but this just gave it a speed bump. So we are excited about going and going fast, and we're just grateful to have his endorsement. Governor Sununu, when you decided not to run for president yourself, in your op-ed you wrote, too many candidates are afraid to confront Trump. Do you think Ambassador Haley has been doing a sufficient job oh, sure. of confronting the former president? Because on the debate stage, yeah. Governor Christie said, None of his opponents are doing but, so. Look, I understand. Chris has his own style, all right? Chris's entire, he's great. We're, we are both very good friends of Chris's. Um, and his, but his entire campaign has been really about going nuclear against Trump. And there's a lot of truth there. And that's, that's his, his message in his campaign. What Nikki has been able to do is say, I'm not just going to tell you what not to vote for. I'm going to tell you what I bring to the table. I mean, that's what you want in a candidate that gets into details, isn't afraid to take a question, um, engages folks not just on what she wants to say or what a candidate wants to say, but engage folks on what is affecting that family or affecting that small business. That's exactly what the candidate should be doing, and that, that's 100% why I got behind and look, it. And I talk about my differences with Trump. I had a great working relationship with him, but he put us $8 trillion more in debt, and so while his economy may have been great, we're all paying the price for that. I don't think our kids are going uh, uh, to forgive us for that. I mean, you look at what's happening, whether it's the situation with China, he tried to focus on, on trade, but he didn't focus on fentanyl, and he didn't focus on them stealing our intellectual property, he didn't focus on the money going into our universities, he didn't focus on the fact that they were building up a military, putting a spy base off our shores in Cuba. So there are a lot of issues that I do have differences on. Mainly, he didn't clean up bureaucracy. There was an opportunity. As when you come in as a governor or president, it's the first thing you do is clean up bureaucracy to get the slowness and the weight out and get rid of all the red tape. And he missed that. So there's differences with us. People just anti-Trumpers don't think I hate him enough. Pro-Trumpers don't think I love him enough. At the end of the day, I put my truths out there and let the chips fall. Did even have that? Republican Chris Christie was also in New Hampshire a day after Nikki Haley picked up the endorsement of Governor Sununu. At a town hall in Londonderry, the former New Jersey governor took aim at Mrs. Haley, saying she was unclear in her stance on abortion. He also answered questions from reporters on the previous day's endorsement. Let's watch. First, let's start off talking about an issue that is a really difficult one, an emotional one in this country right now, and it's abortion. And I want to start off with that because of what's gone on in Texas in the last couple of weeks. Some of you may have read about it. You had a woman who was 21 weeks pregnant. Her child, unfortunately, was diagnosed with a terminal disease while in utero. And the doctors, all the doctors she saw, told her that there was absolutely no chance that her child would be born alive. It would either be stillborn or it would die within hours after uh, she gave birth. And so she lives in Texas and she came forward and said, you know, I don't wanna carry this knowing that I'm gonna be here another 18 or 19 weeks. 
and my child is just gonna die anyway, and I'd like to just have an abortion now so my husband and I can begin the time of recovery and hopefully try to have another child. Well, given what the law was in Texas, she had to go to court to get permission. The initial court gave her permission to have the abortion, and then the Texas Supreme Court came in and told her she could not. And she then had no choice but to leave the state, which she did, to go and have the procedure done in another state where she wouldn't be held up from it. Now look, I'm pro-life and I believe that we should try to save every life that we can because I believe every life is a precious gift from God. But there was no saving this life. Everyone was told, every doctor she spoke to, told her that this child would either be stillborn or would die within a few hours of being born. Imagine for any of us to be the woman who is carrying that child and had been carrying that child and now knows what's gonna happen, to have to live and suffer for another four months uh, and carrying the child that long, knowing there was no hope. That's not what being pro-life means to me. And we should always be concerned about the health of the mother. And by the way, carrying the child even longer could threaten her own life. And we have to be concerned about the life that we have in front of us, especially when there's no hope for the life that's being carried in the womb. Now, it seems to me this should have been a pretty easy decision and the Texas Supreme Court got it wrong. But what I'm concerned about in the context of this race is, we've all gotten asked about this. The four remaining major candidates have gotten asked about this. Donald Trump won't comment on it. Nikki Haley got asked about it, and she said, we should deal with this with compassion. And my heart goes out to the mother. And then they asked her, but was the Texas Supreme Court right or wrong? And she said, well, I'm pro-life and we should have compassion. Look, this is a continued disturbing pattern on Governor Haley's part. If the question's really hard, she wants to make everybody happy. And I understand that inclination, right? If you're in this business, you'd like to make everybody happy. In fact, in most of our lives, we want to make everybody happy. But you can't sometimes. Sometimes you just have to answer the question. You know, she was, uh, last night at her own town hall, they asked about whether she thought abortion should be governed by the states or whether there should be a federal law on abortion. Now, you all know, because you've heard me answer this, that I do not believe, and nor would I sign as president, any kind of federal ban on abortion. I think this should be decided by each state individually, and most particularly the people of that state. I don't think the politicians should be making these decisions in Washington, D.C. I think each and every state, and that's the way the Constitution intended it. That's why I thought Roe versus Wade was wrong, because it took it away from individual members of each state. I trust the citizens to make this decision and not a group of politicians in some state house or the, or worse yet in Congress. Imagine, see those guys and women, they, they took three weeks to pick a speaker. 
They've got now. Now they had the president of Ukraine over there. They 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 couldn't even get together to try to help them. They can't vote on border security. They can't vote on aid to Israel. And here's the great news. They've now decided, well, we can't get any of this done, so we're going to go home for Christmas. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks for your, your, your dedicated service. I mean, it's crazy. We don't want to turn this over to them to decide. But last night, Governor Haley said, well, I, I have no problem with the people making this decision. I'm like, okay. Well, there's some progress. But then... They said, well, is there room for a federal law? And she said, well, I think there's room for a federal law. Like, well, which one is it? I think I got it. Hey, just check it. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. I appreciate that. I appreciate your support very much. Thank you. Melissa Leone, nice to Melissa, meet you. how are you? I'm fantastic. Great to meet you. President Dan hey. Leone, Dan. Air Force nice Academy grad. Right. So, uh, My lieutenant governor's son graduated from the academy okay. in 2015. Okay. And she is a very proud Air Force mom. That's awesome. Very proud. Yeah, a, lot, a lot of his buddies are all pilots. Uh, yeah. 96 grad. We're, we're a bit older. We, yeah. We've got three kids. Yeah. They, they kind of so we have one in college, sophomore in college, one in Holy Cross next year. She's a senior in high school right. and a, a freshman in high school. All right. Three girls, you know, three can't girls, complain. Three girls, great. Yeah. How you doing, Dan? I'm good. All right. All right. But, anyway, but wonderful what you said. Uh, we appreciate it. We need someone to run up against. We got him. We need to. No, we absolutely need to. Can we get a quick selfie on our team? Quick, I got you my parents. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you for coming and listening. I'll be voting for you. I appreciate that very much. Thank you for the support. This is my mother who's from Texas and who's never experienced a town hall in New Hampshire. Good. Thank you so much. I appreciate you coming and spending the time. Very much. All right, let's do it. Try it again. Oh, yeah. All right, I got you're in demand. Go figure. Yes, go figure. All right, guys, what do you got? Governor, Governor. Well, you were in a statement yesterday saying that this new new endorsement is basically endorsement is basically just one vote. Are you concerned at all, though, that the type of person that he appeals to in the state, the unaffiliated, the independent, will draw more people away from you and towards Nikki? Well, I'd be concerned if he were on the ballot. I mean, I think the key to your question was he's the type of person. Who appeals to those folks look matt you you watched me a lot when i was having these endorsements you know begged for from me and i never quite understood whether they meant a whole lot or not and i've been saying that since august anybody who would listen i would not i'm not going to turn anyone's support down and if uh, chris wanted to support me i would have been happy to accept his support but i would have known exactly what it meant it meant one vote and it would have been nice to hang around with them and we could have done a buddy show like he and, and nikki are doing but in the end, these voters are not going to be told by anybody who to vote for. You got to go out and earn their vote, and that's exactly what I'm going to do. So, you know, it's fine by me. Like, I knew he was going to have to make a choice. I knew it was either me or Nikki. So he made his choice, and, you know, good for him. And I, I you know, I'm disappointed. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, 
be stupid about it. It's disappointing not to get it. But on the other hand, it doesn't change my strategy here one bit. So you just keep doing what you're doing. Governor, last night, Governor Sununu said uh, he didn't give you a heads up on this, on the endorsement to Haley. And also, we asked him whether you and the others should stay in the race. And he said, no, I think they should get out. Like to get your reaction to both. Well, on the last one, that's said by somebody who's never run for president. And he should know better. It's not his job to tell anybody when to get out. He can support whoever he likes. But it's not his job to tell anybody when to get out of the race. That's an individual personal choice to make. And I'm not going anywhere. So let's be really clear about that. Um, and, on, and, and look, on the first part, I don't know that I have anything to say beyond what he said. No, I, I learned about it uh, online from MUR, I think, was the one who posted it first. Um, but, you know, it's not the way I would have done it. But everybody has to account for their own sense of what represents integrity and what doesn't. Last, a day on the campaign trail with Congressman Dean Phillips, who staged a challenge to President Biden's re-election bid for the 2024 Democratic presidential nomination. C-SPAN caught up with him meeting voters in Tilton and Exeter, New Hampshire, part of a push through the Granite State spanning more than a week. Now, I'm a Jewish man who loves Israel and believes in its security and safety and prosperity, but I also love the Palestinian people. And I intend to be the first Jewish American president in our history who actually then signs papers to help establish the Palestinian state for the first time. Because it's important. Thank you. It's not just important for the Palestinians who deserve self-determination and security and safety, just like all of us wanted for our families and still do. It's integral for the safety and security of Israel. And that's why this continues to happen. So yes, I support Israel, and yes, I support Palestinians. I do not support Hamas. Hamas is a terrorist organization. Their brutality on October 7th on children, on women, on parents is some of the most atrocious attacks on humanity I've ever seen in my life. The worst pogrom against Jewish people since the Holocaust. They are an enemy of Israel. They're also an enemy of Palestinians. They're holding eight American hostages right now. It's been two months. I would expect the president to be in front of the cameras every single morning, every single night, using every tool of Americans' might, both kinetic, diplomatic, and leverage with all of our allies around the world to ensure their release. It has been two months, and eight Americans are still being held hostage, and it's not even in the news. So I despise Hamas, and they have to be eliminated. But I will say the same thing about Benjamin Netanyahu. He is a tragedy for the state of Israel. His settlement policy is ghastly, and his right-wing government is a significant problem. And yes, does that get me in trouble with a lot of people right now? Sure it does, but it's the truth. So two things are true at once. Hamas must be replaced with a government of peace, and Benjamin Netanyahu should be replaced by Israeli voters with a government of peace. Palestinians have not been able to vote since 2006. The Palestinian Authority is a corrupt disaster. They pay to slay, they pay money to terrorists who would kill Israelis. Hamas clearly dedicated to the destruction and elimination of the Jewish people. So these things are both true at once. Release the hostages with an immediate ceasefire, leave Gaza, replace these security forces with a multinational security force not to include Israelis and American soldiers, ensure that Hamas is eliminated with a national consortium of like-minded nations, 
and start investing in civil society for Palestinians so they can vote for change. We need two nations. That's how I will act. Now Ukraine. In 2014, when Joe Biden was vice president, Vladimir Putin entered Ukraine and took Crimea, which was his first little volley to see how we would respond. And you know what we did? Nothing. We didn't do anything before, we didn't do anything during, and we have done nothing since. So are we surprised that eight years later, he would continue the march? Of course not. You'd have to be living in a cave to not know that this is how the man operates. He takes an inch, there's no response, he'll take the mile. So what I'm trying to get to is all of this is preventable if we just had the courage to look ahead as you have to in business, because if you don't look ahead to what's coming down the pipeline, and you don't plan for it and have a strategy and resource for it, you will always lose. But in government, everybody around me is trained to only deal with something when it gets to our backyard, and that's what we're facing right now. So I will be a president of peace through strength, because there are some times that diplomacy does not work, and the only time diplomacy does work is it's backed up with the strongest military in the world. But I think we can spend a lot less and get a lot more. And when I'm president, that's exactly what we're gonna do. I promise you. Because I will not let your grandchildren or my children grow up in a country or in a world that is as dangerous as the one that we are living in right now. It is my life's mission, I promise you. So my family settled in Manitowoc when they oh, came. I know when, where Manitowoc yeah, Right north of Milwaukee, yeah, when they came over in 1895. Yes, who? For, for Dean? Who? Which one? Dean. Dean. Uh, you want would you be Dean's? Would you be Dean's running mate? That is Dean. I am Dean. Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, Biden's I'm in. Oh, would I be? Well, would I, Would you consider being Biden's running mate? <laughs> No. Yeah, the answer, if, if the opportunity came up. The answer, no. <laughs> I don't think the opportunity will arise. Yeah, I know. But I think it would be foolish for anybody not to. to not consider. Yeah, okay, uh, thank you. That is a clear answer, yes. actually. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> I'm really excited. Thank you. Very excited. I'll, I'll take a picture. Oh, okay. That's my favorite, too. Oh, I love it. I've got a pistachio band. Oh, one more. Why did I do it? Okay. We all are. And one more right here. Okay. Oh. <laughs> I love this. Oh, you just made me hungry. Uh. You need to go to work now. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Oh, so grateful. Oh, thank you. Bye. Nice button, too. I'm so grateful to both of you. Thank you. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Thank Same you. Here. Yeah, yeah. Like, Christmas good. presents for oh, my daughters. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> Where do they live? One lives here in New Hampshire, and the other one is in Chicago. Chicago, I love it. Both of them are Please spread politically the word. very active. I love it. Well, and please. we used to live. And your name, I'm sorry. I'm Hans. Hans, Hans nice to We used to live in Minnesota a long, yeah, long time ago. Austin, uh, Minnesota. Rod, Rochester, Minnesota. Rochester. Yeah. Were you part, part of the Mayo family? Yeah. Oh, you were uh -huh. a physician? Or? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. And I'm uh, from Austria. Uh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, and, there was, and there was a congressman in the 80s I worked with. Tim Penny? Tim. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I, very short. Yeah, yeah, what a, a good man. Tim was a very good man. Exactly. Oh. Got this we enchanted. Yeah, no, we worked together a lot, actually, yeah. in the 
healthcare thing. I, there, there was a doctor, my physician many years ago was a, he had a German last name or Austrian last name, uh, old man, oh my goodness, Dr. Oh, I can't remember it right now, but I'm sure you may have known him. Shoot. Uh, I mean, where was he? At Mayo. At, at, I've always, I've always yeah. gotten my checkups at the yeah. executive yeah. program. Yeah. Yeah. And well, Phillips, you might know, do you know the J. and Rose Phillips Auditorium? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. my great, yeah, that's oh, yeah. my great oh, grandpa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not bad. That's a long time ago. Anyway, nice to see you. Nice to see you. But thanks. Hey, good luck thank to you. Thank you. Well, you. Great luck. Thank you. Oh, we surely will. But thank you. Good luck. I wanted to ask you about reproductive health and a woman's right to choose. Where are you on that? 100% pro-choice. I believe it's important that women have that freedom. How do you feel about states' rights in that whole piece where states decide state by state? I'm concerned, first of all. What, can I ask what your perspective is? On, yeah, on totally. I, a woman has the right to choose. Period. It doesn't matter what other people in her state think. I have the right to choose. I agree. And by the way, your government... Your wife has the right to... And so on. Government shouldn't, and certainly men shouldn't. Exactly. So here's my... And here's what saddens me. When, again, Biden and Obama were in the White House, they had the House and the Senate and the White House for four months after their election. That's right. They could have codified a woman's reproductive right to choose. That's right. In the, into law, which is yeah. all the Supreme Court said is necessary. Congress simply has to make that the law. That's right. And they didn't even try. No, I don't they believe didn't. so. That's to me a massive failure. And now look at where we find ourselves. Yeah, that's exactly. what happens when Ruth Bader Ginsburg, a wonderful justice, stays too long. I think that's the same thing it that's going to happen when Joe Biden mistake. stays too and long. She did it when she had cancer, and she knew she had cancer. We won't even go there. And that's there. part of the culture in Washington that I'm really trying to you know, fix because well, I, yeah. I will go and do much more reading now. Thank I you. really appreciate I'm your grateful. taking Thank the time you. to come. Just the great. Do you want a photo before we go? Do you have a camera? Uh, well, that, do you have a phone? I do. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. But she has, if you want, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm taking oh, this. You got too much going on. No, nothing more important. No, than no, this. no. There is lots more important no, than that's that. That's his job. Yeah. Yeah. Where are you from originally? Uh, I'm I'm from Minnesota, and right Lake here. Minnetonka. Well, Wyzetta. That's where Navarre. I live. In, come on, I live in Wyzetta. How about that? That's great. We got a <laughs> Minnesota's third a district in the house. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, 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 no. So I live. I live on. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, I live on Black Oaks Lane. Oh, I don't know that part. Yeah. It's right out, right in Wyzetta, and I represent Lake Minnetonka. I did not realize that. Well, I went to Blake. They're lucky to have you. I love it. Oh, I'm not yeah, in Minnesota. Great High five. <laughs> what high school did you go to? No, my father died when I was 10, oh. and we, I was with my mother moved us all where she'd grown up was Tulsa, Oklahoma. No That's a contrast. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, exactly. I like Lake Minnetonka wow. a whole lot oh, better. So we loved it. Nice to Thank meet you, you again. Mac Thank Odell. you. Hi, Mac. Thank you. Hi, Hi how are you, sir? Yeah. Nice, oh, to meet you. nice to meet you too, Dean yeah. Phillips. Good. Thanks for you. You said all the right things. Well, thank you. Now, how, do you how do you get the money to get out there in front of people? That's what we well, want. Well, I didn't make the appeal I probably right, should have, right. which is I need support. There's no question. Right, it's a right. very expensive endeavor. And, it sure is. And until you generate your message success. is a good one, and you've got a very good no, message. No, thank you. I uh, just want you to know I'm still going to be working for Joe Biden until, I respect that. until, until it's not going to work. Well, but I respect that, but I'm telling you, it's not working, and right. that's the sad so, truth. So, yeah. But I respect that, Mac. But I write him a letter every day. You do? And tell him what he does wrong. <laughs> oh, really? Congressman, the ambassador yeah. about this. Oh, I'm so great, Mac. Nice to see Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. All right. I love a New Hampshire. Peace. A reminder, this program and all of C-SPAN's campaign 2024 coverage can be found online at cspan.org slash campaign.